Hello and welcome to Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping you become a better organist. We're your hosts, Vidas Pinkavichus and Usham Motuzaita Pinkavichina. We have over 25 years of experience of playing the organ. And we've been teaching thousands of organists online from 89 countries since 2011. So now let's jump in and get started with the podcast for today. We hope you'll enjoy it. Hi guys, this is Vidas. And Usha. Let's start episode 661 of Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. This question was um, uh, written by Diana. And uh, she writes, This week I was struggling to record videos. When I play, sometimes I hit the wrong key or pedal. Also, I had some difficulties recording the introduction of my performance in Undamaris concert. So Undamaris is our Vilnius University organ studio, which is now um, uh, just recently played uh, the joint recital. And Diana was preparing for that earlier when she submitted uh, this question. Do you remember the recital, Osha? Yes, of course I remember it. Maybe I'll share the link uh, with our listeners uh, in this conversation as well to remind them what happened during this recital. I think this was a rather nice concert considering we are only practicing and studying um, online, not physically at the church. Yes, I think the result was actually better than no, in the previous years when when you played the live recitals with your studio. Because, you know, people were taking recordings and, of course, we could, you know, take several takes and to put the best, the best out of the best. So no mistakes, no, no, no sloppy job. And I think it went very well. Yes. Plus, everybody had to talk a little bit about their program, which I found very nice too. And that Diana was also writing about the difficulty in recording introduction, about probably her English, about her pronunciation. What do you, what do you remember? I think in general it's hard for people, you know, to talk in public or you know to film themselves. And to talk, actually, I have heard and read uh, that some research show that actually for some people, you know, the public speaking is scarier than, you know, disease or even death. Right. Uh, you remember Jerry Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld, the comedian? Yes, I remember. And his joke was that uh, because... Uh, people are more scared to public speaking than death. So uh, speaking at a speaking at a funeral uh, eulogy is more scared than being in a coffin. <laughs> <laughs> Not so funny, but actually it is funny. Right. Right. Yes. So remember when we first arrived uh, in the United States to do our master's degree we had to take um, English as a second language courses and you took uh, some uh, some course uh, 
were they required you to film yourself? Yes, that was called the course of academic communication. Did you enjoy filming yourself? No, it was really scary. But was it helpful? But it was very helpful because I had to analyze, you know, what I have recorded and I would have to to look at myself, at my face and to all my intonations and how I look at the public and it was really helpful for all my future presentations. Yes, then you could see how people are perceiving you, not how you think you are perceiving yourself, right? When you see yourself in the mirror, it's a different thing when, than if you only hear yourself talk. Definitely, and I have you know, seen funny things, how people don't know where to put their camera. And, for example, if we are talking, you know, to a public, recording something to a public, but we are looking down all the time or up all the time. But basically, you need to put your camera at your eye level that you could keep, you know, a contact, eye contact with your audience. It's very important. Uh, right. And, of course, background is important. What What is behind you? Um Uh, a blank wall looks different than, let's say, uh, a wall with with some uh, pictures or or paintings or some furniture. Just just nicer uh, the, the colors, I think. Don't you think? Well, I think it's a matter of you know maybe personal taste. I would books, say, I, say I, I I would say that you know the surroundings should not should not you know sort of uh, distract you distract you yes but if you put uh, let's say many many books uh, thick books behind you or on the table you would look smarter don't you do you think so yeah uh, and do you think that you are wearing glasses you look smarter than i am uh, i don't i i don't think i look smarter than you are but you wear glasses and i'm not Because uh, I am smarter than you. If you would put many books behind you and you would talk with your, you know, thick glasses, people would think that he hadn't to read so many books. That way he wouldn't need to wear glasses. So it helps or not? What books? Glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't wear them. So. Okay. So, yeah, suggestion to everyone who is struggling... Uh, in recording themselves while talking is actually to do it more often and to analyze your recordings. Yes, it will be scary at the beginning, but it really helps. It's like recording your performance too. You know, if you want to live live peacefully, you know, and sleep peacefully, you wouldn't have to do that, but that way you will never, you know, be really good. Right. Uh, You could actually, um, you could uh, get away without recording if you always are performing in live settings, like always in, in situations where people are watching and listening to you, like concerts, recitals. Uh, church services mm, count to some degree, but not so much because music there is more or less background, you know, not... If people's attention is not entirely on you, you know, 
It's um, sometimes yes when you play him introduction or um, a solo piece where people are actually listening, uh, which is rare during uh, church service. Then yes, uh, you need to focus, and uh, it's as important as playing solo music during recitals. But but uh, nowadays we know that there is not no not so much opportunity to play live recitals because of the pandemics. So what people do instead is record and upload their playing to YouTube actually is a proof that they have mastered the piece. Not only uh, for any other reasons, but just just to have an archive of their accomplishments. Yes, but you know, some people just like to criticize what, uh, for example, I am playing. But, but when I ask them to present the recordings of the work, they say to me, you know, proudly that we only play in a live environment, and we don't have recordings. So maybe we can play. But they listen and watch your recordings. What? what um double standard that is right sure if you don't like recordings so don't even watch them right you just uh, go to live concerts then but now they watch and listen to videos and recordings and never record themselves which is actually hiding that's their excuse and you know the other nasty thing i found that no Usually when when I play something French, that let's see, Marie-Claire Hélène or Demisio had recorded themselves, you know, people are, you know, <laughs> sort of, sort of impolite enough to send me recordings by these two great, you know, French ladies. Of course, I know how we played. I have watched them and listened to the recordings. I'm not as dumb, but, you know, to sort of, compare, let's see, me with, you know, legendary organ figures, I think it's so unfair because I'm just middle-aged, you no know, Eastern European lady who didn't have really a good environment to, let's say, to, 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 to study organ music from early childhood. I don't think you need to underestimate your skill and experience, Osha, because those people who send you only masters, uh, world-renowned organists recording, uh, behaved the same uh, like people who, uh, who say their favorite organ piece is Vidor Stoccata or Bach Stoccata in D minor. You don't know why they say that? Because they don't know any other pieces, you know. Mm. That's the, the same thing. Uh, they might know only a few, five people, legendary people who are playing the organ. Uh, Marie-Claire Alaine, Olivier Latry being two of them, for sure. And uh, well, well, don't be so sure, you know. Latry gets so much critique from all these experts uh, as, get com uh, as he gets compared to Marie-Claire Alaine. Of course, when you play Alain's music, and uh, you naturally get compared to Marie-Claire Alain, you know, because she was a sister. Uh, but um, uh, but I think there are hundreds, if not thousands, great uh, performance, performers uh, all over the world, and not only organists. 
great uh, musicians in general who play other instruments and we should not get um, you know uh, this very short-sighted vision uh, to only listen to to three or five people you know and exclude everything else which is going on which is actually uh, a way for them to um, undermine their own abilities if they say only these masters are great and whatever everybody else is doing is not worth their attention they are diminishing their own skills as well true thank you guys for listening for sending these questions please do that more often we love helping you grow and remember when you practice miracles happen this podcast is supported by total organist the most comprehensive organ training program online it has hundreds of courses coaching and practice materials for every area of organ playing. Thousands of instructional videos and PDFs. You will not find more value anywhere else online. Total Organist helps you to master any piece, perfect your technique, develop your sight reading skills, and improvise or compose your own music and much, much more. Sign up and begin your training today at organduo.lt and click on Total Organist. And of course, you will get the first month free too. You can cancel anytime. If you like our organ music, you can also support us on Patreon and get free CDs. Find out more at patreon.com slash secrets of organ playing.